Thank you so much for listening to this pre-recorded episode of Pub Talk Live. To find out more about the show and find out how you can watch live, go to pubtalk.live. Thank you so much to my Patreon podcast sponsors, Brenda Drake, Jay Lynn, and Reframe. Hello and welcome to the January 23rd episode of Pub Talk Live, the live publishing talk show airing the second and fourth Saturday of every month, usually at 9 p.m. Eastern, but we're a little early today to accommodate the time zone of our special guest. I am your host, Sarah Nicholas. I'm a young adult author, uh, board member, and agent liaison for Pitch Wars and a library event planner. Uh, you can subscribe to Reminders via email by clicking on the link in the description so you don't miss a show. You can also follow the show on Twitter and Instagram at Pub Talk Live. And if you'd like to support the show, you can find a link to the Patreon near the end of the video description down below. And now I'm going to go ahead and bring on my guest co-host today, who I'm very excited to have on the show today. J.L. is a pro- prolific Black author, former educator, and advocate for marginalized voices in both publishing and her community. Her debut novel, Wings of Ebony, releases January 26th, which is Tuesday, everywhere books are sold. She is also the author of Park Row Magic Academy, A Taste of Magic, a lead title on Bloomsbury's spring 2022 list so please welcome to the show jl hi there there we go (laughs) awesome thank you so much for coming and you have your cover behind you which is awesome do you want to tell everyone that yeah there you go (laughs) no you want to tell everyone um a little bit about what the book's about before we get started so everyone knows Sure, sure. Okay, so this is my this is my debut novel, Wings of Ebony. It's a young adult fantasy about a black teen from a poor neighborhood who has to lean into her ancestors' magic to protect her community from drugs, violence, and crime. Um, and it is out on Tuesday. There's also, um, well, first of all, every edition that is out or printed currently is signed. So while supplies last, you can have oh, a cool. signed copy. And then Barnes & Noble also has an exclusive edition, which isn't signed, but has a lot of really cool bonus content at the end. So check it out. Yeah, and um, the Jay's website link is available in the description, so you can go and grab that um, if you want to check out. I think all those links are on your website, right? Yeah. Yeah, cool. Um, all right, so we have some of our regulars here. Hey, Karen. Hi, Jay. Lone Star likes your background. <laughs> Thank you. Um, all right, so uh, we have the viewer poll for the today. For today, will be open for about thirty more minutes, and we'll discuss it at the end. Um, and the question uh, is: Do you write chapter titles, or you do you just use numbers? Um, and we'll talk about that near the end. So, um, cool. Okay, so we're gonna go ahead and jump right into news items. Um, I, I, for the regulars who watch the show, um, you last time I did um, the news items and we did it kind of like uh, shorter than we did we usually do because we had five guests on, so we wanted to give them enough time. Um, and I kind of liked it, so um, we're gonna play with it and see. We we're gonna try to do the news items a little, uh, take up a little less time than we usually do, and we'll see how y'all like it too. So let me know. 
Um, all right. So the first news item is the law firm Higgins Berman has filed a class action lawsuit against Amazon for restraining price competition in the ebook market, naming the big five publishers as co-conspirators, but they are not co-defendants on the suit. Uh, this is the same law firm that successfully sued Apple and the publishers in 2011 for essentially the same thing. And next news item, Simon & Schuster canceled Senator Josh Hawley's book deal due to his role in the attack on the Capitol. Uh, but he was quickly offered a book deal by Reginery, is that how you say that? A conservative book publisher, which is distributed by Simon & Schuster. So. <laughs> No, um, so we can move right on. <laughs> yeah, well, I I did want to clarify because I saw a lot of people who are kind of confused. They didn't really understand what what was the difference between a publisher and a distributor. Mm -hmm. um, and so, uh, so for example, Entangled, who is my publisher, is a small um, independent publisher. They're not owned by any other large publisher, but they are distributed by Macmillan, which means Macmillan just essentially acts as their distributor. So they take that the book at the point where it is being printed and they take it from there. Um, and they do have some influence on the publisher. Like I know the publisher will meet with Macmillan's reps and they'll talk about covers and lead titles and, and that kind of thing. But someone had asked, you know, where, what kind of authority does the distributor have to say, no, we're not going to distribute a book if they have a, a distribution deal. And it depends on the, the distribution contract. So there's really no clear answer there. But yeah, so Karen <laughs> Karen sums that up nicely. <laughs> nice. Oh, for anyone listening on the audio-only version, um, Karen just uh, put like an angry face in the comments. <laughs> all right. Oh, this is a good time to mention um, all of the news items that we talk about today. The links are going to be available in the description after we um, are no longer live today. So if you want to learn more about any of the different titles or any of the different news items that we're talking about, um, you'll be able to click on those links after the show ends. Um, so we need diverse books. Ha selected the winners of the Walter Dean Myers Awards for Outstanding Children's Literature. Winners include Punching the Air. And when stars are scattered and you can see the full list of honorees and all the information about the winners at the link in the description after the live stream is over, they are having their like ceremony. They're having a virtual ceremony in March for it that Lori Hall Sanderson is hosting. So if you want to tune in for that, you still have time. Those are two of my favorite books, by the way. The awesome. <laughs> yeah. uh, the U.S. Postal Service has announced that the 33rd stamp in the literary arts series will honor Ursula K. Le Guin. Am I saying her last name right? Le Guin, yeah. Le Guin, with a three-ounce stamp based on a 2006 photograph of her, which, if you click the link, you will get to see, I assume. Yeah, yeah. And uh, I went and looked at, like, what the, uh, the first 32 were, and it's, like, like, the most recent one was Walt Whitman. <laughs> so... Uh, it's like a lot of the kind of like classic, um, you know, American canon that we think of. And so mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, I'm excited that Ursula is going to be added into that. Yeah. Yeah. All right. So I have some sad, um, some messed up news, I guess. The government of Hungary has ordered a publisher to print disclaimers on books with LGBT content saying that books contain, quote, behavior inconsistent with traditional gender roles. Uh, this is part of an ongoing movement among the right-wing government against LGBT rights. 
for example, last year they voted to end legal recognition of trans people in Hungary and amended the constitution to define a family as one man and one woman, um, which disallowed couples, um, queer couples from uh, adoption, among other things. So, um, yeah, so uh, that's obviously we we have talked on the show a lot about like governments restricting um, free speech in, in terms of books and governments shutting down publishers and reading publishers. And this is just like another and kind of a long line of that. So I was waiting for it. I was like, we need, we need a time for another one of those. Uh, Naver, which is basically Korea's Google, um, has acquired Wattpad for more than $600 million. Uh, Naver also owns the online comics platform Webtoon. Did not know that about Webtoon. Yeah, that's an interesting acquisition. Um, a Wattpad was a Canadian company. Um, so, um, but yeah, I don't I, I don't know. We'll watch and see what happens. I just I'm trying to think of like Google purchasing Wattpad and what that would be <laughs> for the site, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It has a very independent feel, and I feel like that's it's that's the quirk that makes it cool. So. Yeah, but then it's valued at six hundred million dollars, <laughs> so <laughs> not that indie. <laughs> um, hey, Laura, glad you can make it. All right, so we have our last piece of news, and I always try to end on something happy, if I remember, and so that's the whole purpose of this news item. The trailer for the third installment in Netflix's To All the Boys adaptation was released last week, um, so make sure you go click on that link um, after the show's over and watch it, because uh, that is just a show that's brought a lot of us a lot of joy. I guess it's a movie series, right? This shot brought a lot of us a lot of joy the last couple of years, so um, super excited for that. All right. So um, it is, we did a great job. We like ran through those <laughs> news items. Um, it's still early in the year. So there's still fewer stuff going on in the publishing industry than usual, but uh, we're going to go ahead and bring on our special guests. So I'm super excited for today's guest. Uh, Daphne is the founder and owner of Illumicrate, the UK's first YA and crossover book subscription box since 2015, and Curiosity, Curiosity, a picture book subscription for little ones. She's also an event chair, book prize judge, and pitch wars mentor. Previously, she was an award-winning book blogger from 2011 to 2018. She lives in London and is a Chinese-Filipino born and raised in Manila. So please welcome Daphne to the show. Hi, Hi you're everyone. muted. Like... How are you? Yeah, I was like, oops, get myself off mute. Mm -hmm. Hi, both. Hi, how are you? Welcome, welcome. That news was, uh, some of it was good, but some of it was just terrible. That's, <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's pretty much the state of publishing. Hungry, <laughs> <So. Yeah. laughs> um, what are you doing? Uh, and you are joining us today from the UK, right? I am, yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, um, yeah. So I live in London. Um, there. Lockdown. Yeah, it's nighttime and it's uh, in the middle of lockdown uh, oh. three. So oh. not fun. <laughs> um, oh, yeah. yeah, it's been this way since probably, like, it's been like two, I guess, two, two weeks um, of this lockdown and 
not really much of an end in sight mm-hmm. as yet. But well, I live okay. in Florida, and it's a free for all. You can go wherever and oh. do whatever. So I don't, I don't know which one's better. <laughs> Texas yeah. is similar. Yeah, well, I bet. <laughs> well, nothing, nothing's open here. So literally, like you can't, you can't even do anything. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, it's like, yeah. So you're stuck at home, but that's okay. Um, people are getting vaccinated, which is good. So mm-hmm. yes, I heard this morning that my grandparents are getting vaccinated tomorrow and Monday. Oh. oh, that's exciting. Very exciting. Yeah. Um, Lodestar said hi, Daphne. And hi. Laura, who I know is also a fan of Lumicrate, said hi. Um, oh, hi, guys. All right. So um, Jay is going to get us started with the first question. First question. So I guess um, I'm super excited to be able to chat with you because I'm a huge fan of Lumicrate. I literally have two boxes right there. Um, oh. Can you start out by telling us like, how Lumicrate got its start? Yeah, sure. So um, I I was a book blogger for a while and I had a full time job. So I decided I needed something else to do. <laughs> um, I basically um, I got inspired by other subscription boxes and I thought, you know, it would be great to do something book related. And I, you know, I felt because I had some great contacts in publishing already from being a book blogger for for so long, um, and I, I don't know, I like to shop on Etsy. <laughs> like I was like, I can put the two together and like come up with a box, and it all sort of just started from there. And um, we did our first box in November 2015. It's been a while, and uh, so we celebrated our five year anniversary like last year, which is nice um yeah and we've just kind of gone from strength to strength so yeah i'm really i'm really pleased by how my little i don't know side hustle i suppose it became now like my main my main job so yeah that's awesome living the dream All right, so we have a question. Um, so my Patreon supporters um, can submit questions ahead of time. And so this one is from Jay Lynn. Uh, and she asked, what is the process? And and I'm sure this is a question like a lot of people have. What's the process in selecting books uh, for the box? Is there anything the author can do? Or is it kind of a publisher thing? You know, how does that process happen? Yeah, it's, it's a little bit of a mix. So like when we were first starting out, it was um, mainly, you know, me kind of sort of knowing what was coming up because of being a blogger. So you get kind of access to like advanced information about books coming out. Um, nowadays, it's more, it's more on the flip. And so I basically back then I would ask, I was like, Oh, I'm really interested in this book. Can I read it? I'd love to have it in the box. Now it's almost sort of the other way around where publishers tend to send me what they have upcoming um, every like quarter or so. Um, And I just have regular catch ups with a lot of the UK publishers and they kind of just send me a list of AIs or manuscripts and go here, here's what we've got upcoming. Like, what do you, what do you think would work for your box? So it's a mix of that. It's a mix of me as well. Like sometimes obviously following a lot of authors on Twitter or on social media and just finding out, you know, keeping track of like book deals <laughs> that sort of get announced. Um, if it's if something like tweak, you know, like sounds good or I feel I would be really interested in, I, I'll, I'll normally try to track down who publishes it and then 
um, get in touch with my contact from that publishing house and try to get a hold of the manuscript, really. Yeah. It's a lot of fun. It's a lot of like, <laughs> it's a lot of sort of like maneuvering and trying to work out like the right person to ask to find the right book. <laughs> mm-hmm. Yeah. So a lot of it kind of has to do with your, um, your personal taste too, right? Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. I, you know, in terms and selecting the book that actually goes in the box it it we you know we do read a selection we read like a wide selection um we tend to plan quite far ahead of time so i do have to say that sometimes um books will kind of appear in the schedule in the publishing schedule that we honestly like we can't consider sometimes because we'd already picked you know something else like six months before and that's quite that's frustrating for me because you know in an ideal world i, I have you know I would know all the book publishing that month, but, you know, clearly things drop into the schedule, new acquisitions, things move around. So, um, yeah, so it, it's, it's sort of a, a convergence of, you know, what book is out at that time? Have I read it? Did I really like it? And, you know, and, and a bunch of other things. I actually have a follow-up from JL. Um, how many subscriptions do you keep active and how long is your wait list? Like, when can, <laughs> like when can new subscription hopefuls expect sure. to be um, We Yeah, we, we don't really reveal like our full, like how many subscriptions we have. Like none of the boxes do. It's kind of like our weird little industry like secret. Um, we, we, do, we are in the thousands of subscribers. Um, and we do have a long wait list, which we have closed. Uh, we closed it back in November because it was, it was kind of growing faster than we could like offer people places. So we were like, um, and it was just causing us like a lot of anxiety. (laughs) We were like, oh no, (laughs) like we'll never get through this never ending wait list. So, um, we decided to close it and we are sort of working our way through it. Um. Yeah, I think I think we're up to like people that signed up maybe in like mid October. <laughs> so hopefully we're like to like a month and a half away from clearing the waitlist. So we'll see. But yeah, it's been it's been honestly such a such an honor to have like a waitlist um, because I never thought like that would happen. Yeah, I remember you um, you posted on Twitter. I think it's your pin tweet. That's like how it started and <laughs> how it's going. And then it's like the boxes in your living room, <laughs> it yeah. looks like. And then uh, you have them like shrink wrapped at a warehouse. Uh, yeah. For the, yeah. It's um, pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we did definitely start out. We started out with a hundred boxes in our living room, like our very first box. So yeah, we've grown away since then. All right. Um, before we move on, Laura had asked a question in the comments. It's perfectly fine if the answer is no. Uh, but can you hint about any special edition boxes coming in 2021? I will probably get. Um, I don't. I, I probably. I can't. I can't because. But I. But I have. Um, we've obviously we've announced quite a few recently. So I don't want to like overwhelm people. Sometimes we do have. Um, we do have a edition, a special edition plan for a very, um, like a very exciting kind of sequel, like end mm. of trilogy coming out later in the year. 
Um, but that's all I'm going to say. <laughs> and for anyone who doesn't know, can you kind of tell us what the special edition, edition boxes are? Sure, absolutely. So, um, so Illuminate is kind of, I guess, first and foremost, a monthly box. So we, we do a, um, every month we pick a new release book and we um, curate merchandise um, around a theme that kind of relates to the book. And um, on on top of that, we curate special edition boxes for kind of new, like highly anticipated um, releases, like usually sequels or, um, you know, new books by, you know, kind of, I guess, um, established authors. And we do a box with, with the book, but also all of the merchandise relates to that kind of author or series or world. So, it's something for the fans. Um, people seem to like it, um, I guess, because if you're buying it, you're a fan of the book, and then everything you get relates to that book, so it all um, kind of works out. But yeah, they're really fun to do. They're 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 tough to cur curate. They're a lot of fun to curate, but they're tough to curate because you kind of have to think of a lot of ideas for like one particular book or series. Um, but yeah, it's it's really fun, and we do about. We, we do about four of them a year, four or five of them a year. So, yeah. Cool. All right. Um, so moving on to a different topic. Uh, you're one of the few Pitch Wars mentors um, we've had who doesn't really identify as a writer, right? Yeah. Like I remember um, there was a post in the group that you're like, oh, well, I'm not really a writer. <laughs> I know it's a weird one. Um, I I'm not a writer. I don't consider myself to be. Um, I haven't had time to write in the last like five years or so. Um, and and to be honest, before that, I never really had uh, much of a, an inkling to write. I just didn't have any like ideas. There was nothing like that I wanted to work on. But I was always a voracious reader, so I've yeah. always been and always have you know will be. Um, yeah, and. I get, yeah, I don't consider myself a writer. I'm not writing anything right now. I'm not, you know, not working on anything. Um, but I love to read and I love, and I, I guess I wanted to sort of approach pitch wars at a different angle and see if I can offer like, you know, any advice from someone, I guess almost like on the other side of the industry to so someone reading a lot of manuscripts and, and getting pitched to a lot. Uh, and seeing, you know, how he can help, like, someone on that front. Um, yeah, it was, um, it's really interesting. I have, I have partnered up with an author, so my, um, my co-mentee, uh, my co-mentor, sorry, is Kat Dunn, and she's a published author. Her debut, uh, Dangerous Remedy, came out last year, um, sequels out this year. <laughs> um, shout out to Kat. <laughs> um, and so we kind of work nicely together because Kat can kind of get a little bit more like nitty gritty on, you know, the the actual manuscript on like obviously making, um, giving advice based on like edits that she's gotten from her, you know, editor and things like that. Whereas I, I guess, focus more on sort of, you know, the hopefully the actual like the pitch and the query letter and the stuff that, you know, you need to do to kind of celebrate. So I think we make like a pretty good team. Awesome. Um, yeah, so. Uh, Sorry, I was muted. Uh, <laughs> no, you're good. <laughs> I a question. Um, so Curie, Curiosity is a book subscription for children, right? Um, can you yeah. tell us a little, bit, a, a little bit more about why you decided to start that one in addition to Illumicrate? 
Sure. Um, yeah, thanks for that. So Curiosity is brand new, it's a little baby. <laughs> it's a baby subscription box for, for, for kids. Um, we started in November, but I've had the idea since, I guess, the beginning of last lockdown. So like way back in, like in March last year. I have a four-year-old. Um, she loves to read. She loves picture books. And I, I just, I got, I, I just was getting like really good recommendations of like what picture books to read from like a lot of my like friends and colleagues in like publishing. Um, and a lot of times I would, you know, I would, people would ask me, oh, what do you recommend? You know, like I have friends that have kids as well that aren't necessarily like clued in on, you know, the, on publishing as much. So they'd be like, oh, what do you recommend? What books do you recommend? And I always have, you know, I always feel like they would really enjoy the recommendations. So I was like, ah, oh, so what if there was like, a subscription box where I just send parents like a set of picture books um, and they could um, yeah and it would take the hassle out of trying to find picture books you know people couldn't easily get to bookshops at that point you know still really can't at the moment and yeah just like a service for busy parents to kind of you know, have books be sent to them, and um, yeah, and to and to be like sort of hassle-free and, and uncomplicated. So that's kind of why we started Curiosity. Um, yeah, uh, we we um, we start. Yeah, we sent our first box out in December, so we're really new. We've just sent our January box like earlier this week, so that's really exciting. Um, yeah. Yeah. Open now for sign up. <laughs> Um, I, it should be. We, so I think we definitely still have boxes left. It is just it is a UK only box at the moment, just because um, from like a logistics perspective, I'm just trying to kind of um, keep it to the UK because um, international mail is just so terrible at the moment. <laughs> to be honest with you, um, um, with the limit crate, we ship everything tracked, so it's a bit better. But this because it's I think from a cost perspective, I wouldn't want to, but at the same time, I don't trust anything going out into the world on track at the moment. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. um, so we're keeping it UK only, and then we hope that um, to open it up internationally when the world settles down a little bit. But yeah, it's been really fun. Um, it's definitely a different kind of reading, like reading a lot of picture books. I can obviously get through like a lot more of them <laughs> like really fast. Um, and then, it's um it's a it's a heartwarming job actually it's just really nice um i'm really enjoying it and the feedback we got in from our customers has been really nice nice um, we actually I had another question from Jalen that came to the patron a little bit late so i didn't get it into the show notes but um i did want to ask you about it um she was saying you know before the pandemic um, there was a lot of conversation about YA struggling, YA not selling as much as it used to. Um, and the pandemic has given a, a huge boost, at least in the U.S., to YA books. Um, and so she was just wondering about your thoughts on that, your thoughts about like where the YA industry is going. Um, since you have your hand in so many like facets of the industry, <laughs> I just thought it'd be great to get your perspective. Um so I do feel like the U.S. and the U.K. YA markets are really different. Um, you know, I feel like the U.K. market has has honestly all but gone really quiet, like the U.K. market in, in YA. So a lot of the books that we feature in our boxes are, that are 
YA published in the U.S. actually are picked up by adult um, SFF publishers here in the U.K. Um, and it, so it's not, I, I guess it's not really to say that YA is dying here, but I think it's just a very different um, market and, and it's, it's pitched differently here. So I, I find that UK YA books are oftentimes kind of on the, the younger end of YA, the ones that are actually like, you know, pitched as YA or bought by the children's publishers, um, as opposed to like the adult SFF publishers that maybe buy the older end of YA or the, the sort of the more standard YA as it would be there in, in the US. Um, I definitely think the... I definitely know because I don't really think YA ever went away. I think a certain, maybe a certain type of YA started to fade out and obviously newer voices came through and different, you know, maybe less trilogies and more standalones or um, came through, but I never thought it went away completely. People that like read and love YA still read and love mm -hmm. YA. Certainly from like a, business perspective like we've you know we've been growing and other YA subscription boxes have been growing as well so there's definitely still like an appetite for for YA books um yeah I I, I don't it, it's kind of it's, it's a tough one it's, I think it always happens every so often this whole like is YA like dying <laughs> question but yeah. I think YA has has kind of crept up a little bit into adult or has kind of crept down a little bit, um, but it's sort of still firmly fighting like for its own space. <laughs> but yeah. Yeah, I think um I think it was because we were so used because like it was such a big growth market for such a long time because it wasn't really a segment before, you know, um a couple maybe like a couple years before Twilight and then Twilight really exploded yeah. the segment and and so we've been used to this huge growth every year and now it's starting to level out a little bit. And so people are seeing that leveling as a, a decrease, which it's not, yeah. it's just like, it's just like every other genre now, <laughs> like, um, <laughs> it's like the, it was the gold rush and now the gold rush is over, you know? <laughs> yeah. But then you have all the big authors like occasionally popping out, obviously like Suzanne Collins did, mm -hmm. did a new book, you know, Stephanie Mayer did a new book and that kind of helped you know, boost the industry as a whole as well. And then all of the YA adaptations that are now happening, like, as you know, obviously it's like to all the boys and, uh, and there, yeah. And it's, there seems to be so many great deals, you know, happening, you know, people's books being picked up for Netflix or and other streaming platforms or, you know, and it's, it's, it's amazing. And I love it because I think, um, I think, once people, I'm pretty sure when To All the Boys Loved, uh, I Loved Before came out, you know, people watched it, immediately bought the books, and then immediately bought other stuff that was like it. So I think, mm -hmm. I think probably with like this whole like advent of like really um, decent streaming um, adaptation, <laughs> I think we're going to see like another like big like increase it. And you know, Shadow of Bone, Shadow and Bone's coming out in like a few months. So mm -hmm. that's really exciting. <laughs> and I think that's I think that's gonna like really launch, you know, a lot of, you know, YA fans. I think that there's gonna be huge demand for 
for new and old, you know, life and mm -hmm. Um, yeah, well, even you see on Netflix, like a lot of the kind of like youthful fantasies are doing really well. Like I just started watching Winks. What is it called? Oh, yeah. Winks. Yeah. Winks, yeah. Like, I, I never read the books. So yeah. I know a lot of people who read the books were like kind of dissatisfied with the, the tone that the show took. But since I never read the book and I came out with no expectations, I like it. <laughs> um. So Jay had a question in the comments. <laughs> uh, what has been your favorite special edition book throughout through Illuminate? Um, good question. <laughs> oh, like looking around, looking around. I love I love all the books equally. Now it's <laughs> it is a bit like picking a favorite child sometimes. Um, I guess most recently I love this set of the Poppy War that we did. It has like beautiful like. Um, smoky sprayed edges. I don't have like my copy is like in this box under the table. I don't want to like go under and get it, but um, do check it out on our Instagram. It's beautiful, and I I'm just um, I'm I love it. Um, it's probably one of my favorites because the series is is fantastic. You know, it, it ended last year and it just blew me away from start to finish. Um, I love. I love supporting like POC authors in fantasy, so that was really important um, for me um, to, you know, create a splash around um, Rebecca and her book. And yeah, it was just such a beautiful um, copy. You know, it had like foil and art and the gorgeous edges and everything else. So I think all in all, I really loved it. Yeah. That's probably my my most recent favorite. Nice. Um, Laura has a question. She wanted to know what was the most su surprising aspect of running a book su subscription box, um, or the thing that people wouldn't like wouldn't expect. Ooh, that's a hard question. <laughs> um, maybe for me, I didn't expect it, and I probably should have done, but I didn't expect a lot of it to be about like logistics, <laughs> which I guess is like, oh, of course it would be, but um. I never considered myself like very good at logistics. Like it just, you know, sometimes I'm just like, whoa, like I don't know how people, how the, you know, Royal Mail is the UK kind of uh, mail carrier, like gets all these parcels to like the right place. I just have no idea. Um, but it is a lot about logistics and making sure like all your items get to you on time. And then obviously sent mailing and sending out to a lot of people. So, that's probably the the my least favorite part of of running a book subscription box is, is all the logistics that I have to to kind of take into account. And yeah, I, I guess unexpected for me, obviously probably not expected for any other person that, that would have thought about it. But for me, I was like, mm, logistics. I have to do this now. <laughs> Um, let's see. Uh, speaking of logistics, let's start. Said, how did you decide the size of the box? <laughs> uh, we, I remember we went through a few months where I physically, I think the items I ordered just physically didn't fit into like the old box that we had. So this yellow, this yellow box is about maybe it's about like three years old. I had like a white box prior to that. And I think I went through like a run of like two or three boxes where uh, two or three months where I was just like, this stuff just doesn't fit <laughs> like I just I just couldn't cope um so I 
I just, I guess I sized it so it would fit like a big hardback. So it would fit like a, like an adult sized hardback around the, around the bottom with like a little bit of room. And then I, I made it kind of, I guess, like taller to, um, because we started doing like bulkier items. And I found that while they would fit in the box, I couldn't close the box. So <laughs> it was about making it deeper. So I just kind of, I just sort of picked a size that I thought would work with having like a hardbound book that was of a certain thickness, plus like a, a sort of a chunky, like like a mug or, or something else on top. And really that's all birds do it. <laughs> and then thankfully it's been working so far even though I think December's was a bit of a stretch. <laughs> um, let's see, we have a couple of questions here, but some of them you kind of already answered. Um, okay, Laura asked, um, how closely do you work with authors when curating a box? Ooh, I like this question. Yeah, this, this, is, this is interesting, actually. Um, uh, not as closely as I would like to work with authors um, and let me yeah and I think a, a lot of it is because um, uh, yeah I guess in the industry in general I actually I found um, the more I know about publishing the the more I know that authors absolutely have have not much say in, in most things <laughs> <laughs> that happens to them or their books um, uh, yeah <laughs> Um, and that includes being in subscription boxes. So, um, yeah, uh, yeah, we work very closely with the, um, with the publishers on everything, mostly like on, um, band sales, bit of editorial, bit of like marketing, like the whole team. Um, um, and they usually, um, I don't work directly with the author unless the publisher gives me the go ahead to work directly with the author on something. Mm -hmm. um, so, you know, I'm always careful to make sure that, you know, we go through the right channels, you know, we're speaking to the right people and I'm not approaching the authors directly. Um, Why well, do, like, I kind of, I guess, do a mix of both. Like when, when obviously it's okay for me to get in touch with the author, I, I do, you know, kind of get in touch with the author um, and then work more directly with them. So like for the Poppy War box, as I mentioned before, I worked quite closely with Rebecca on that. We just emailed, you know, and DMs and, and things like that about certain things. Um, but sometimes, you know, authors maybe would prefer not to, so they don't. But a lot of times when authors find out that they're being featured in the Lumicrate, they, you know, they send me a message on like, they DM me or something and they're just really excited. And um, yeah, and then it's nice to connect um, with them on that but yeah a lot of times sadly not not as much as I would like um, again probably because authors don't really have a lot of say <laughs> what happens to their books um, yeah awesome. I went on a rant about that <laughs> <laughs> it's true I think yeah, a lot of readers authors write. <laughs> yeah I think a lot of readers don't understand um how little the author has in the traditional publishing process. Um, so uh, let's start asking does the author of the book in the box get one? <laughs> <laughs> yes, they do. We always put one aside for the author. Oh, and we always awesome. send it to them. Or the publisher will, um, you know, make us mail them one that they can forward on to the author. Yeah. That's so cool. Yeah. Um, 
All right. So uh, Jay had asked, I don't know if you have any insight into this. Is it true that something under the dust jacket, like a foil design or an imprint, means the publisher has more faith in the book? That's an interesting way of looking at it. Uh, I don't know if it means they have more faith, but it, I guess it means they're willing to spend more money. Yes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, it's 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 always it's more expensive to have something under the dust jacket. So if if they are putting something under the dust jacket, that book is costing them more than not having anything. So I guess maybe it means they have more faith, or they just have a bigger budget. Yeah. <laughs> um. All right, so that is, uh, we have just one last question for you. It's a question I ask all of my guests. Um, and so it's like phrased kind of intentionally. And the question is, what is the most important book you've read and why with you defining important however you would like? Yeah, sure. Oh, this is a good one. <laughs> it's a really good one. Um, I, I would, I would, I would, so I would probably say in terms of importance, I would probably say The Hunger Games because it was kind of what, what actually launched my whole love for, for YA. I remember um, reading the first two books when they were out, the third book, Blood Mockingjay, hadn't been out yet. And I was, I was like a young kind of working professional, like, I was sat in my like room of my flat share, you know, um, <laughs> and I I I read the hunger and I read the Hunger Games and I just I couldn't put it down. I had work the next day, but I like stayed up all night like reading it. And I was like, oh, I you know like I love this, like this is this is great. And I immediately started seeking out other books like it. And so I actually I think I went the other way where I actually. I think I read the Hunger Games before Twilight. I like, you know, like because just because it was also shelved as YA, you know, and I started, and that was, I guess, when the the genre was still not the genre, but the age kind of range was still growing. And I just, I just, yeah, I just remember really loving Hunger Games and Catching Fire, and I, I was. Um, I was so involved in like the online community as well mm. then, like, you know, tr you know, guessing, you know, what would happen <laughs> in the third book and who, who Katniss would end up with. And I think all of that, like community and love for books and like finding your people online, that all kind of stemmed from the my love for the Hunger Games. And mm -hmm. so I would say that would be my question because that, I, I guess, eventually led me to here where I am now. Yeah, <laughs> that's a good one because it is. It was such an important book for the whole industry, for the whole YA industry. A lot of authors owe their careers to Hunger Games when they have had directly nothing to do with it. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Brilliant. <laughs> I, I, you know, and it, it, it was a, it was a great book. But, you know, it's just a really entertaining story, and then obviously the hype continued with the films. Um, and everything but yeah I, I think I know I know other people might have more high highbrow answers but but that's totally mine <laughs> it's funny though that you mentioned you said the word flat share right <laughs> which is, yeah. is not a phrase that we use in the U.S. <laughs> um but I the audiobook of the week which I'm going to talk about after we say goodbye to you um it takes place in Ireland and that 
that phrase was used in the book a couple of times. And that's the only reason why I know what that word means because <laughs> of the context, like I could understand what it meant. <laughs> is it is it just like do they just say do you just say roommate in the US? Yeah. If you share like a but to me, mm-hmm. I don't know, to me that means like you you share a room, like yeah. not like you share like in a like a like an apartment. So, yeah. Yeah. I'm people like, like, in English don't make a lot of sense. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of like, things don't. <laughs> if it's a house, some people will say housemates, but yeah, no one says okay. like apartment mates or <laughs> I feel like it might have been born out of like the college like yeah. experience where they are actually splitting a room and so then once they yeah. after college if they go and you know into a job and they don't have a whole house they have an apartment maybe just maybe it just stuck yeah, yeah. I'm sure it did yeah I, I, I guess I sort of because people always people generally think I'm American because of my accent so um, yeah so it's um, sometimes when I'm like, I don't get why, you know, like, <laughs> like, I don't get why you do something. They're like, are you not American? I'm like, no, I'm not. <laughs> All right. Well, Daphne, thank you so much for coming on today and answering our questions and, and chatting with us. Thanks I had a great time talking me. to you. Thank you, Daphne. So good to, to like talk to you face to face. I know we talked on Instagram. Nice yeah, it's so nice to meet you, Jay. Um, and yeah, have a good rest of the show. Thanks for having me on. Have Thank a good you. night. Hi. Bye. All right. And then there uh, you. Yes. <laughs> I got the Christie all over again. Um, yeah. So uh, Lozer actually had a question for you, Jay. Um, and since we oh. have the time, I'm going to go ahead and ask you. Okay. Um, what was it like developing the education curriculum for Wings of Ebony? Oh, my gosh. <laughs> it was a lot. <laughs> I, it was a mix of emotions. First of all, it took me over a year to make. Oh, wow. Um, granted, it was a pandemic year. Mm-hmm. So use that, you know, like that, that made it take a while. But um just as a former teacher, I knew it was something I wanted to do. I will say I thought it was going to be a lot easier than it was because it was like, I'm a teacher. I've written curriculum. I've taught kids. Like, But teaching yeah. your own book, um, it really forces you to get into the weeds of the writing. And so you have like teacher me and like writer me. Like, like <laughs> why did you do this? Because now we have to talk about it. <laughs> so um, it was a lot of um, – it took a lot more time than I expected. And um, – but I thought it was I thought it was really beneficial. It was important to me that the book I wrote got in students' hands specifically and was a conversation piece in classrooms. And so I know teachers are inundated all the time, but they are ex- especially inundated this year. And so I thought if there's anything I can do to sort of make that, originally I was just going to do a discussion guide, but I was like, you know, if I just do the whole thing and there's actually a virtual format, like it's literally you send the link to the child, give them the book and mm-hmm. boom they learn. So, I mean, they can start learning about it. Yeah. Um, and so I really think that for as much blood, sweat and tears that it took, cause there, it was, it was a lot. And then my release date got moved up a month mm-hmm. with like, like just a random Monday phone call, like, Hey, by the way, <laughs> and I was planning to design my curriculum in December um, and I got this call. I want to say at the end of November or mm-hmm. maybe mid November and they were like, so your your book is being moved up a whole like 30 plus days. And I was like, oh, 
<laughs> so instead of it happening in December, I had to start right then. Um, but it, yeah. it worked out beautifully. I consulted with one of my dear friends who's a master teacher in um, New York, and she's also a project lit team lead. And she mm-hmm. was able to like, once I finished, she was able to go in and make sure everything was like aligned to standards. And yeah. she actually converted it to the virtual learning format and like designed it and everything. So um, it was a cool process. I don't know if I'll be brave enough to do it again, <laughs> at least anytime soon. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Yeah. I have friends who are teachers and they, um, they talked, I have friends who are teachers who are also writers and they've talked about developing it for like their middle grade books, especially. And I was like, Oh man, if I ever want to do that, I'm just, I'm just going to pay someone that's some. <laughs> and they are great people. Like if yeah. watching is an author and has, has interest in that. I, the person that I referred to is a, if you can get her, she's a wizard. So yeah. you know, definitely reach out. I'd be happy to pass along her name. All right. Awesome. Well, I'm glad we talked about that. We So we've got a little extra knowledge here. All right. So the audiobook of the week, I actually just finished today on my drive here. I don't film at my house, so I finished it literally while driving here. Um, is All the Bad Apples by Maura Fally Doyle. Have you read it? No, but that cover. I, I know. Just, oh, so much of the books on my shelf is like, I just have to have this cover in my house. So um, <laughs> It was narrated by Marissa, Kaylin, and Elizabeth. I don't know how to say her last name. Sasser. It's S-A-S-T-R-E. Um, I should have listened when they said it. <laughs> but um, I got this a while back from the publisher. I, I think it was published in 2019. So it's been a while. And I don't, it was just like, I had it downloaded, but I didn't really know what it was. And so I was just, I kind of like skipped over a couple of times and then I decided to listen to it. It was so good. It was basically like the author was like, let's talk about all the way that women have been wronged in the past 100 years in Ireland, but then make it like a thriller. <laughs> okay. Yeah, sold. So I want it. So it's about this girl, Dina, who um, her sister, uh, it goes missing as her older sister as goes (laughs) missing and is presumed dead. And then she finds a letter um, from her sister kind of introducing her to this idea of the family curse. Like if girls, if they fall off, if they're, they're bad apples of the family tree um, when they're 17, they, the curse is enacted. Right. Um, and, and she's like, and she gives her an address. And so, and then, so she goes to the next address and she finds another letter and it's more another piece of the family history. Um, and so it keeps going and she collects like people along the way, like her, her niece, um, her, her secret niece that she just found out after the funeral. Um, and then her best friend joins her at some point. And then this other girl that is entwined with her family history joins her, um, and they they go along and there are there are banshees basically chasing them across the country. Um, and it's just it was so it was so well written. It was written like a thriller, but it was like very much like um, you know it had like historical elements and it was talking about the what do they call them the Magdalene laundries where they would send young pregnant girls. Um, and it was so, so good. And then there's an author's note at the end that's like all of this stuff happened basically and talking about it. And yeah, it was, I'm definitely getting it. Like when we hang up, 
I am getting yeah. there. <laughs> I, want to, I love thrillers. So I really enjoyed it. And it's it's also very queer. Like there's a lot of um not only like so it, it touches on, you know, LGBT, it touches on abortion, it touches on rape and incest and all these different issues. Um uh there's a group that are there's two women that are considered witches because they provide like medicinal care for women um and so yeah there's a whole bunch going on um and i loved it so <laughs> i'm very excited the cover alone yes i did judge a book by its cover <laughs> i saw that um, there's also an illustrated cover so i just tweeted about it too so if you want to see the illustrated cover you can go to my twitter um and I think that might have been the, the original cover in Ireland. I'm not sure. Um, but this is the cover that I was given in the U.S. All right. So it's time to discuss the viewer poll. Do you write chapter titles or do you just use numbers? I actually participated in the poll on social media, by the way. What do you do? <laughs> I, do I don't do chapter titles. Not because I don't like them, but because I'm not smart enough to come up with them like this. And when I'm writing, I got to keep going. <laughs> like, I just got to keep going. I can't get stuck. Um, who was it? Robin uh, St. Clair responded. She's like, I don't even come up with book titles. How can I come <laughs> up with chapter titles? And I was like, same, yeah. honestly. <laughs> yeah. Um, I do yeah. like them, though. When they're done well, I really like them. Yeah, so I kind of I felt like if I asked readers this question, almost everyone say I would I like them if they're done well. So that's why I asked it as a writer focused question because then it's like I feel like the, it's a little more interesting in the results. Um, yeah, so fifty six percent say I just use numbers, uh, which is not surprising to me. Fourteen percent say I write chapter titles, and thirty percent said it depends on the books. That surprises me that there's that many who are like in between. Yeah. Um, yeah. So Tamara said, who's watching today? For some books, I like to title the chapters, but others need to be just be numbered and not to not give anything away. Yeah. Um, and, and so then, my writing is exploratory. So sometimes I'm like, what do I name this? Yeah. <laughs> do I even know what's going to happen? <laughs> and then someone had said, let's see if I can find it. In draft mode, my chapters have titles like Friends Episodes, the one where she meets the boy in the marketplace, where it turns <laughs> out who is lying. Um, I love that. <laughs> but, uh, which I kind of do just because I write in Scrivener, so I just write a very short like snippet of what happens in that chapter just so I know. Um, but I wouldn't consider those chapter titles for me. <laughs> All right. Um yeah, so that's everything we have for you today. So, um, Jay, thank you so much for joining me today. And uh, go check out Jay's book. It comes out on Tuesday, Wings of Ebony. Um, <laughs> it's so shiny. I love it's it. So, like, you can't see. Like, this is foil, obviously. Yeah. But the book itself has, they. I didn't know this until I held it. It has a sheen as well. So, it's like metallic oh. plus foil. It's really pretty. Oh. Cool. Um, in the exclusive edition, which I'm not allowed to show the face of, so I had to take it off camera, but I can show you the spine. Oh. Um, it's like a, because um, the face is a little different. It's like oh, a gotcha. purple foil. Nice. All right. Um, so I'm going to say goodbye to Jay and just finish out the show. Just a couple announcements before I say goodbye. So thank you, Jay. And um, I'll chat with you after in a minute. 
All right. So uh, if you enjoyed the show, don't forget to like and subscribe so you don't miss another episode right down there. Tell your friends. That's how they find out about shows like this. Um, the social media for our guests and their website is in the description. So go ahead and check them out and follow them on Twitter and Instagram. Um, you can also subscribe via email by the link in the description. And you can find the, the Patreon link um, for the description. Thank you so much to my Patreon supporters. It means so much to me that you continue to support me and the show. Um, upcoming, we have uh, Wednesday. We have our write-ins every week at 8 p.m. We're going to be continuing those through at least February. So hopefully you'll join us for those. That's just like kind of low stress writing time. And then on February 6th, I have Agent Chat Live with Aaron Casey. Um, so make sure you come back for that. Find out what it's like to work with Aaron as an agent. Uh, thank you so much for watching, everyone. Have a, a great weekend. Stay safe. Wash your hands. Wear a mask. And we'll see you next time.